from the high desert in the great American Southwest, coming to you from the great state of Utah, this is Conversations at Midnight. I, um, oh man, I don't even know where to begin. I don't have no idea where to begin. I'm going to just come out and say this. Get your candles ready. This is a candle episode. So grab them already. Have them in your hands, something. I don't know. I don't know how you light them, in which way you ignite them. But please prepare them, because today is going to be a very, very special episode. I, um, before I get into anything, a little side thing, a little, little introduction, as we always do every episode. Today is, um, at the time of this recording, which I'm just going to just record and upload as soon as I'm done. So, April 7th, 2020. April 7th, 2020. That date um, is actually my brother's birthday. I have a brother. I have a few. Um, and one of them, it's his birthday today. I won't say his name for sake of privacy, but happy birthday. Uh, I love you, and I hope you have an amazing day, an amazing week. I I believe he treated himself to a John Mayer concert. John Mayer is always a great choice for music, in my opinion. But besides that, uh, besides that little shout-out, once again, love you. Happy birthday. Uh, Anyone who's born on this day, happy birthday to you. And now we're going to move on. We're, we're going to move on. Uh, no, well, I guess it's kind of a current event. It's more something that applies to this episode. Um, I don't even know what I'm going to title it. I may keep it vague or I may just have it right on the nose. Um, but as anyone would remember, as anyone would recall... A few episodes ago, I spoke about a gentleman, J.L. Patterson. J.L. Patterson is a uh, is an author. He contacted me. We shared a correspondence. Still are, still are. Uh, we've been writing on a personal level, little by little, and he was gracious, just gracious enough to send um, the podcast, send me two books. I thought I was receiving one. He sent me two. And he sent me two books. One is called Saving Kennedy, and the other is The Man Who Thought He Could Fly. Now, The Man Who Thought He Could Fly was, I believe I I spoke about that on the show. I said I was going to read a story or two, which I will. Spoilers, I will. I'm going to get to that. But uh, no, he sent me another one. Saving Kennedy. I will not read Saving Kennedy. um, Because that will be wrong of me. (laughs) To basically read a book that you should be buying from him. You should be purchasing from him. I will read the synopsis that's written on the back of the book. Uh, You know, I'm just going to do that right now. Let's see. Alibi Interrupted. Time travel always has consequences, or has its consequences, excuse me. When Stuart Hudson travels back in time to stop Lee Harvey Oswald from killing President Kennedy, 
He not only becomes Oswald's alibi, but he finds himself stuck in 1963. To ensure Stuart gets it right this time, the wife of his future grandson confronts Stuart before he travels to 1963. But then she learns that meddling in the affairs of the past always has its consequences. Oh, wow. Oh, it's two story. Oh, so that's the first story. And then now the second story is The Visitor. So it's two short tales. Oh, yeah, two tales about time travel and the JFK assassination. The second story is The Visitor, a stranger in a cornfield, a letter detailing horrific future events and a chance to change the fate of a nation slipping into turmoil. Theodore Garfield never believed the old farmer's story about the day the stranger appeared in his cornfield. And Theodore was even more skeptical about the letter the visitor left behind detailing the gradual downfall of America. Beginning with the assassination of a future president named John F. Kennedy. Years later, the farmer's story is all but forgotten until a young senator named John F. Kennedy is elected president. With the farmer and the letter now long gone, will Theodore be, be able to prevent one of the most tragic days in American history? Ooh, 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 ooh. That sounds juicy. I'm actually going to read this. Um, I'm going to read this in my own personal time. This is something I would love to sit under a tree, maybe in my hammock. I go hammocking a lot, for those of you who don't know. Um, if you want a good, cheap, like, hammock, like a, um, like a nice hammock with, uh, what's that material called? It's made out of, like, the material that parachutes are made out of. Oh, man, I'm completely forgetting. But Wise Owl. Wise Owl, cheap hammocks, durable. I use them, I've been using mine for about two years already, and it's sensational. Um... But yes, so that's Saving Kennedy, and I'll be sure to read this in my Wise Owl hammock. It, it seems really riveting, and I don't, and this is going to be an honest review as well. So far from what I just read, that sounds really juicy. That's like right up my alley. I love stories like that. Um, I don't know. I think they're really cool. I know that time travel can be a little messy, but I mean, come on, it's time travel. But that one sounds not too messy. That sounds just about right. Very cut and clear. You did this X, Y, Z. Therefore, you know, this is your answer. Okay. The man who thought he could fly. So, there's 12 stories. There's 12 stories loaded into this uh, book. It's really, I mean, just holding it in my hands... It's a nice book. I love, um, it's a soft cover, but it has this matte finish. You know, it's not a glossy. It's a, it's a matte finish, and I love those kind of books. So, so far, he's already impressed me. Mr. Pattison, you have impressed me just alone with the quality. It's actually really nice. Very nice. Hmm. Okay. Oh, um, if I sniffle from time to time, this is why this is a, uh, actually... Here's a reason why this is a late upload. 
I believe that there are powers that be. <laughs> no, I'm just exaggerating. No, I don't know what happened to me. Um, around Monday night, no, sorry, Monday morning, I woke up and I just couldn't breathe. My nostrils were clogged. I had a hard time breathing, sleeping, and I just didn't have the energy to do a, to do a show, which is a shame because I love uploading them on Tuesdays. I feel like Tuesday is just the perfect day for me. But um, no, I, I just I just couldn't do it for the life of me. I couldn't do it. I I, oh, I had no energy. And then the next day after that, I just I did not sound myself. I was groggy, dead. And it just would have been a horrible episode, especially the way that I was trying to breathe. You, you, you just would have heard nasty mouth breathing the entire time. So I'm feeling much better now. I still have somewhat of a stuffy nose. But for the most part, I am, I am A-OK. So, uh, I digress. There's 12 stories loaded into this book. The man who thought he could fly. I, before anyone writes me and says, hey man, you should read more of it. No, no, listen. I'm only reading one of the 12. It is only fair to Mr. Patterson that he gets compensation and credit from purchases of his book. I will read one. I have his permission to read one. He told me I can choose any one of them. And I, uh, after reading little bit I didn't I didn't read all of them I wanted to keep my reactions in my uh in my reading raw off off the cuff um after reading these little briefs he he did something amazing and I love this I I don't think I've ever seen this in a book before yet uh, I'm not an avid reader so I can't name a few that have done it but I am so he, you know, he has the twelve stories and 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 like the titles of them, and underneath the title is a small description of each, like a, just a brief, you know, taste, a little appetizer of what you could read, and I love that. Oh, that's so genius. So after reading through all of it, I have chosen the story. See, okay, so there's two that I was stuck on. They came upon a midnight clear. And the weight of chains. And I, um, you know, I'm going to be really honest. They can't, I'm sorry, the weight of chains, in my opinion, is the one that caught my eye over. They came upon a midnight clear. So, weight of chains, I believe, is page 60 something. If I remember. Yep, 66. Oh, wow, Mr. Patterson. <laughs> 66. Great choice. Uh, the Weight of Chains. Okay, that is the fourth story. That's the fourth story in. And I'm going to just put a little bookmark. I'm going to ask everyone to get ready, get prepared. The only way that we know how. Dim the lights, please. If, if you can, obviously you don't have to. But if you want, go ahead and dim the lights or turn them, if you dare to challenge yourself, turn them off, please. Extinguish your lights. 
I'm going to light my candle uh, I have prepared. I feel like, once again, this scent is just my favorite, but I felt like it was appropriate for a book like this for, for a, and for a gentleman like Mr. Uh, Mr. Pattison. Uh, I'm using whiskey and tobacco, once again. Scents and spirits, like I said before, and I'll say it again, I got it from Walgreens. $10, maybe a little less. Love it. I love it. Scents and spirits are doing the Lord's work when it comes to candles. Now, got the matches. Now let's go light this candle. Oh. Okay, candles have been lit. While everybody is prepping, while everyone's lighting, I'll give everyone a chance to settle in. I want to thank everybody for t for tuning in this week's episode, for listening, for enjoying. I hope you all will enjoy the rest of it. I want to thank you truckers out there, you, you road trippers, you long haul drivers. Try your best to stay awake. We cannot forget about you. I understand you can't really light a candle in your circumstance. But, uh, you know, go ahead. Try your best to stay awake. If, for some weird reason, you get really tired listening to me, if you get sleepy, don't worry. You can turn it off and listen to something else. I will understand. So, Oh, I'm going to do something new as well. I uh, I got an email from a fan. Just something, you know, nice and casual. They told me how they like to, you know, sit back, drink, drink some wine or a beer. And I thought, you know, that'd be really cool. So I do candles. And on top of that, I guess I'll say, because, you know, usually when I do a show, I have a drink on the side that I like to take a swig of. Uh, I try to edit those sounds out, which I feel like I've done a good job doing. And, uh, but I thought, you know what, it would be cool if everybody, I guess if people wanted to know, uh, what I'm drinking each episode. So for this episode, I have a Mountain Dew Thrashed Apple. That is an exclusive flavor to Kroger-owned stores, so like Smith's and all that. Um, Thrashed Apple. Yeah, uh, it's probably one of my favorites out of all the Mountain Dews. It's an amazing flavor. So I will probably be drinking this throughout the entire 45 minutes, uh, maybe an hour, probably, however long it'll take me to kill this thing. So I will do the ceremonial uh, opening of the can. And with that, let's start the show. Okay. So here we are, The Weight of Chains by J.L. Pattison. Without a further ado, let's dive right into this and uh, just and just enjoy the story. <clears throat> the subject of our story is a simple farmer. His name is not important because he represents every man who has ever built something with his own hands or who has ever called a plot of land his own. This farmer works hard every day 
to provide for his family and is so honest. He makes an arrow look crooked. And it is in this setting that the farmer you're about to meet will be visited by an unexpected stranger who carries with him an imposing book and some unsettling news. Once upon a time, a farmer needed to make more room for his growing family. Realizing that one of his, one of his two barns was perfect for converting into living space, he drew up plans and obtained the necessary material to begin the project. One day, while the farmer was standing on his ladder, hammering in, in a sheet of new sliding on the old barn, a man wearing a suit happened to be passing by on the dirt road. This man was pulling a wagon containing an enormous book that stood as tall as the man himself. The wheels on the wagon strained under the weight of the book. It carried as the stranger walked up the driveway and approached the farmer. Excuse me, the man with the wagon interrupted. Yes, said the farmer, looking down from his ladder. What can I help you with? I noticed you were doing some construction on this fine barn. I am. What exactly are you doing to it? I'm renovating it, turning it into living space for my family. The man in the suit surveyed the barn for a moment. Have you permission? Have I permission? Yes, have you received permission to perform the renovations? Oh, yes, the farmer said with a big smile and a small chuckle. My wife is completely in agreement with the project. In fact, it was her idea. No, no, said the man. Have you received permission from me? From you? Yes. You see, I don't recall giving you approval to do this work. But perhaps I may have just forgotten that I granted you consent. Let me see, said the man, checking his pockets. The farmer secured his hammer and his tool belt and climbed down the ladder. Uh, I don't seem to have you per your permit on me. I do get a lot of these requests, after all, said the stranger. Would you please be so kind as to show me your copy of the permission form? Wow. Wow. I like that. Okay. Wow. Okay. So as I'm turning the page so far, that's an interesting thing. Do you have permission from me? Wow. And a permission form? Hmm. That's interesting. I don't have a permission form. You don't? Then you must cease and desist, and desist working on this barn immediately. But this is my barn. Why do I need permission from you to do what I want with it? But forgive me for not properly introducing myself. The man in the suit said, I assumed you knew who I was. The farmer shook his head. I am your local government. And you cannot renovate that barn without my prior written approval. But I own this property. Mm, not really. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, huh? Not really. What do you mean? 
Well, you might believe you own the land you live on and the house you live in, but in reality, you do not. Then who does? I do. I think you're trying to pull a fast one on me, mister, and I don't appreciate it. This sounds like some sort of scam. Scam? No, no. I assure you this is legitimate. Look, I own this home, I own this land, and I paid for it. It's mine. And it's not yours or anyone else's. The man in the suit lowered his head and his voice. Why do I always get the naive ones? What was that? Nothing. Allow me to walk you through this process so you understand. Okay, the f I said the farmer as he wiped sweat from the, from, his, from the back of his neck and with a handkerchief. Excuse me, wow. Stumbled on that one, huh? Tell me, what would have happened to your home and your land if you stopped paying your annual taxes? The farmer thought for a moment. You take it all away from me. Precisely. But what if I refuse to surrender it to you? Well, then, men with guns would come and take it away and lock you up. And if I resist... They would be justified using deadly force. The farmer stared at the man quizzically, as if processing what he had just been told. But it's still my property and my home. Okay, well let me make it simpler, the man said, shaking his head. If you truly owned this home and this farm, then why do you continue paying taxes to me in order to keep it and prevent men with guns from forcibly taking it from you? The farmer's eyes grew wide. So what you're saying is that I'm essentially paying taxes to keep you from stealing my property. Not stealing. It would be taking what is rightfully mine. I've never looked at it that way before, the farmer said. Drowning in the epiphany. That's a glorious thing. Most people don't. You see, private property ownership is just an illusion. And because this illusion is so great, most people live their whole lives never fully coming to understand this. But if you're saying that you essentially own my home and land... How come you don't pay the mortgage on all, on all of it for all these years? That's just the way it works. I'm sorry, but this is all morally wrong. Haven't you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? <laughs> Have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Hmm? Hmm, everyone? I have, in fact. I used to display a marble replica of them in front of my office building. Used to? What happened? Someone complained the display was, a f display was offensive, so I moved it. Did you ever read those commandments? Yes. Then you'd know taking my money is stealing, and taking my money as a form of insurance for not taking any property is also stealing. I prefer to call it a uh, compulsory acquisition of the fruits of your labor for the advancement of a societal infrastructure. What does that mean? It's just a fancy way of saying taxes. 
call it whatever you wish, but it's still wrong. It's not wrong, it's the law, said the man as he gestured to the big book of laws in the wagon. Besides, it's for your own good. I use the taxes to build roads. You actually design and construct the roads. Eh, not exactly. What do you mean, not exactly? Well, we collect revenue from you. Then we use it to pay private companies to design and construct the roads. So, you essentially steal money from private citizens, then give the money to other private citizens to make roads. It's a small price to pay. But it's my money, made from my labor. Stop looking at it like that. Think of it as the perfect symbiosis. But you did not cultivate this land or build these barns or this home. All of this came from me and my family's blood, sweat, and tears. You've produced nothing, nothing, and you've contributed nothing. What gives you the right to take it from me? Because what's mine is mine, and what's yours is mine. The farmer turned and looked at his barn. He then turned and looked at his house. Then shaking his head, he turned back to the man with the wagon. So as long as I pay you, I have your word you won't take my home from my farm. Or or my farm, excuse me. Well, uh, the man stammered, that's not entirely true. You see, even if you're up to date on your taxes, if I decide that I want to put a road through your property, for example, I can legally take your your home and your land and do so seriously seriously and if i declare any activity illegal and you continue in that activity i can seize your house land and belongings pursuant to that crime i can't think of the better examples of stealing again i don't like the word stealing i prefer eminent domain an asset forfeiture. If this is all true, then I can no longer continue to say that I own any of this. Sure you can, but you've clearly established that I don't. Well, that's true. Oh, I almost forgot to mention that I can even dictate what you can and can't do on your property. But that's irrelevant. You can still tell everyone you own it. In fact, I prefer that you do. It helps perpetuate the illusion of ownership. But then I'd be lying. Only if that kind of thing matters to you. I never concern myself with such trivialities. The two men stared at one another, passing the next few seconds in silence before the man with the wagon spoke. Before he spoke again. Speaking of taxes... You'll never have, or you'll have to pay me more this year than last year. Why is that? Were all these trees that surrounded your property planted before you moved here? No, we planted them over the last, over the past 30 years. How about the gravel driveway? Put that in last, last winter. The lawn and the sprinklers? I installed that last spring. 
What about the paint on the house? Looks fairly new. Painted it last fall. These are all considered considered general improvements. So what does that mean? It means your home and property are worth more now than before. Everything you do to improve your home and farm increases the value of your property and thus increases what you owe me if you want to keep your property. So if I neglected my home and land, I would owe you less. That is correct. Well then, what's the incentive for anyone to take care of their own property? There isn't. But there are enough of you who do to make it worth my while. The man cut himself off when he caught a glimpse of the farmer's garden. That's a nice-sized garden you have there. That, coupled with the lawn, means your water usage must be very high. I'm not certain that we're on a well. The man with the wagon smirked. You're not going to tell me that you own the water underground too, are you? I'll have a meter installed on your well and begin monitoring your water usage immediately, said the man, scribbling notes onto a pad he pulled from his pocket. Are you kidding me? I don't kid. Is there anything you don't have control over? The man thought for a moment. Nothing immediately comes to mind. Do you not see how you're, how wrong all this is? The man ignored the question as he looked around the property. Those are some nice dogs you have. Are they licensed? Licensed? Yes, your dogs must be licensed through me. Why in the world would I need to license a dog? It's the law. It's a pet. I'll give you two weeks to be in compliance or I'll be forced to fine you. I'll also give you two weeks to find a new home for one of them. Why? You have too many dogs. I can't have four dogs? Three's the limit. However, there is a way around that. How? Just apply for a special permit. The farmer stood with his mouth open, but unable to speak. What other animals do you have on this property? We are raising chickens and goats. For meat or milk? We don't milk the chickens. I meant the goats. My apologies, but I would... Did I skip a page? Okay, cool. My my apologies. I wouldn't take for granted that someone of your lofty position would know that. Just answer the question. Milk. Are you licensed to pasteurize the milk? No, we drink it raw. Oh, no, the man said, visibly recoiling. What's wrong now? You're not selling any of your raw milk, are you? No. Oh, that's good, said the man. But when we have excess, we share with our neighbors and friends. Sometimes we even try to barter the milk for... You can't do that, the man interrupted. You must cease and assist immediately. Why? It is illegal. Private commerce of food between two civilians is illegal? I have deemed it so. Let me get this straight. If consenting, if a consenting adult wants to give, sell, or barter milk 
consenting adult B, you prohibit that? When it comes to something as dangerous as raw milk, yes. Drinking raw milk could make you sick. Wouldn't that choice best be left between the individual who has the milk and the individual who wants the milk? No. People are not wise enough to make such decisions on their own. My family's been drinking raw milk for years and no one has ever gotten sick. In fact, mankind has been drinking raw milk for centuries, millennia even. It's for the protection of the community. I have deemed it such behavior or I've deemed such behavior too risky, and I'm not willing to budge. Drinking raw milk is now a behavior? If I can save just one person from getting sick, wouldn't wouldn't it have all been worth it? The farmer rubbed his chin as he gave the question some thought. Can you tell me how many people say in the last 10 years have gotten sick from drinking raw milk? That does not matter. An ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure. You should let the people decide what they want to put into their own bodies. Most people don't know what's good for them. That's why we have laws. But aren't these the same people who put you in charge? They had a moment of clarity. Like how a blind squirrel occasionally stumbles across a nut. That's exactly what I'm... And the man stopped himself when he realized what he was conceding. The farmer smiled. Well, I had no idea you regulated milk. Ignorance of the law, the man said, slapping the top of the enormous, the enormous book, is no excuse for breaking the law. Why is this book of laws so big? It has to be. It takes a lot of laws to keep people safe. Because people can't be trusted with their own safety? Exactly. And I have their best interests in mind. How will I ever remember all those laws? You never will. Shouldn't I at least try so I can follow those laws? Sure. How long do you suppose it'll take me to read all of it? Months? Years? You want the truth? Do you even have to ask? You will never be able to read it all. Why not? Every year, I add new laws to this book. You can read it for the rest of your life and you'll never cover it all. That sounds so overwhelming. It's for your own good. Do you ever get rid of laws? You mean remove them from the book? Yes. Sure. But it's very rare. Like removing water from the ocean with a thimble during a rainstorm. The farmer stared at the book in the wagon as he thought for a moment. How did humans survive before all those laws? Oh, I don't know. But what I do know is that without this book, you wouldn't be safe. And with it, I am no longer free. But your safety is worth more than your freedom. Isn't my life enough, though? Shouldn't that be a decision I make? What's the point of freedom if you're dead? What's the point of living if you're a slave? It's not slavery. 
It's merely the price we pay to live in a civilized society. What would you say if I told you that I prefer to take my chances with the dangerous freedom over safe servitude? I'd say that even asking such a question proves you can't be trusted to make these decisions for yourself. And that's why you need me. I don't need you. And neither does a baby understand why she needs a parent. If you hadn't been able to tell, I'm not a baby. But your desire for autonomy is that of a child. Tell me, mister, what exactly are you protecting me from? Yourself. And who protects me from you? Now you're just being irrational. Why would you need protection from me? So if I choose my freedom over your laws, are you going to stop me? I would have to say yes. Then maybe that answers your question as to why I would need protection from you. Look, sir, the man in the suit said, his face growing increasingly red. As your representative, I am here to serve you, and as your protector, I am here to protect you. But as my sole representative and protector, aren't you the one with the greatest opportunity to exploit me and do me harm? That's the talk of those conspiracy theorists. Well, say whatever you wish, but I still prefer my personal liberty, so I'd like to opt out of your scheme. I'm sorry, but I can't allow that. Why not? As your protector, I have determined that your safety and security are of greater importance than your personal freedom. As I said, I only have your best interests in mind. You just have to trust me. And what exactly does trusting you mean? It means you obey my orders, follow my laws, and surrender to me an ever-increasing percentage of the wages of your labor. You will support everything I do without question, and you will abdicate your children's education solely to me. Furthermore, you will suspend all critical thinking and squelch any desire to do your own research on any matter. I hope I said that word right. Squelch. Turning to me for everything you know, or turning to me for everything you want to know, from history to health, from science to politics, and everything in between. You will do all of this proudly as if it were an honor while ridiculing everyone else who doesn't trust me with all their heart, soul, and mind. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the story just just clicked to me. It kind of makes you wonder if this is uh if this is how the US government works even right now, you know. And I guess I could see where the uh where the Twilight Zone-esque storytelling comes into play. That's really clever. So far, I, it, it's it's a good read. It's actually quite enjoyable. I uh, I got lost for a second just reading it. Lost track of time and everything, and I don't care. That's actually really nice. It really, really makes you wonder if this is uh, if this is really close to a world that we're basically living in, especially the part about uh, to ridicule 
those who are against me. Anyway, back into the story. And you will do all of this proudly, as if it were an honor, while the ridiculing anyone else who doesn't trust me with all their heart, soul, and mind. The farmer canted his head. Well, I'm not sure I can do what you're asking of me and still retain my sovereignty. You're not sovereign. You never were, and you never will be. Then how can you say this is the land of the free? I haven't said that. You have. If you were paying careful attention, you'd know the fellows like me only say that when it's politically expedient to do so. The farmer finally acquiesced in exasperation. All right, I guess you win. Now, can I please get your permission to finish renovating my barn? It doesn't work that way. But you said I needed your permission. You must fill out all proper forms first. Okay, give me the forms. I don't have them with me. You must go down to my office on the other side of town and request the forms. Then you must fill out all, all the pages and submit them to me with your blueprints. I will review them to, to decide if your plans are up to my standard before permission is granted. Oh, and make the check payable to... Wait! I have to pay for your permission? Of course. None of my services are free. I've noticed. But isn't that like a bribe? Well, not exactly. You have to pay me for all the work I have to do to process your request and inspect your construction progress. But if you didn't require me to get your permission to work on my own barn, then wouldn't you need my money to process my request? But then I wouldn't have a job. That sounds like circular reasoning, the farmer said with a smirk as he pulled several crumpled dollars from his pocket. How much will it cost? $900. $900? The farmer said, mouth agape. That's an unreasonably large sum of money, and if I don't pay it, I can't work on my, on my barn. Now you're catching on. This is extortion. You don't... You don't expect me to work this hard and keep you and keep you sale oh safe for free, do you? Excuse me. I suppose not. But nine hundred dollars is an awful lot of money just to get your permission to work on my own barn. Do you plan on helping me with the renovations? The man rolled his eyes. If it's any consolation, you get a nice piece of paper signed by me showing that I've given you my permission. You can even frame it and hang it on your wall. Well, I've already taken up enough of your time, the farmer said, as he stuffed the crumpled bills back into his pocket. And I certainly don't want to keep you from your important work of keeping everyone safe. Oh, it's okay, I get paid by the hour. The farmer turned to walk away. Say, the man called out to him, what can you tell me about your neighbors? The farmer looked across the meadow to a house in the distance. Very nice people, hardworking, 
and courteous. Why? They are in violation of the law. I was actually on my way to speak to them when I happened to see you working on your barn. Are they renovating their barn too? No, but they are breaking a bunch of other laws. Oh, really? Really? But they're such nice folk. I've known them for years. They don't seem like the criminal type. Well, if you must know, the man said, closing the gap between them and lowering his voice. They've been seeing fishing without a license. They are rumored to be collecting rainwater and bottles on their property. And they have not registered any of their firearms. Oh, and they're also allowing their 10-year-old daughter to run a lemonade stand. That's illegal. Sure is. Why? It's the law. But why is there even a law against running a lemonade stand? Are you serious? She has not procured a license from me to operate such a business, nor has she received a permit from the health inspector verifying that her lemonade is processed in a clean facility or that it is fit for human consumption. Nor has the lemonade stand itself been inspected for sound construction to ensure her safety and that of her customers. Just imagine if it fell on someone or if her lemonade made people sick. Don't you think you're being a little paranoid? I mean, it's just the lemonade stand. Not at all. Even where the little girl has chosen to operate her lemonade stand is discriminatory. How so? Because its location does not allow for wheelchair access. Additionally, a confidential informant has also advised me that she is not collecting sales tax on her lemonade. Oh, come on, she's just a little girl who's probably in violation of several child labor laws, too. I can't believe you're serious about this. If I don't put a stop to it immediately, where will it end? She will grow up thinking it's okay to disregard this book of laws and other people who want to sell lemonade without the necessary permits. Before you know it, it'll be total anarchy. The farmer thanked the man with the wagon for all the ways he worked hard to keep the farmer, his family, and his community safe, including from bad lemonade. The man, in turn, thanked the farmer for his submission and obedience to the book of laws. Then the two shook hands and the farmer walked over to his pickup truck. Removing his tool belt, he placed it in the bed of his truck before climbing into the cab. Do you need directions? The man with the wagon asked. To where? My office, so you can fill out the forms for your permit. Oh, I'm not going to your office. Where, where are you going? The farmer leaned out the window of his truck. Well, since I can't afford the $900 to purchase your permission and also buy the remaining supplies to renovate my barn, I'm going to town to look for a part-time job. You might want to reconsider a full-time job. The man said, remember, once you finish the barn, your property taxes will increase. Thanks for the reminder, the farmer said as he started the engine and began to pull away. Oh, and comrade, the man yelled to the farmer who hit the brakes. Yes, don't forget your seatbelt. It's the law, the farmer asked with a hint of sarcasm. It's the law, the man echoed proudly, testing his, his resting his elbow on top of the 
book in the wagon, I wouldn't want anything bad to happen to you. Well, thank you again for looking out for me. Don't mention it. I'm just doing my job. The end. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. I kind of I kind of didn't want it to end. If if I'm being honest, I kind of liked the I mean, don't don't get me wrong. The guy with the big book of laws is a jerk face 9000, but I also liked his attitude, his spunk, you know? He had a uh, he had a zip. He had a zeal, a jive, an oomph, if you will. So that's really uh wow. That was intriguing. That was actually really intriguing. And once again, I can actually see the uh, the um, I can I can actually see that Twilight Zone-esque style. It's actually really quite nice. Uh, it, it's refreshing. For those of you who don't know, the original Twilight Zone is like one of my favorite shows ever. I go back and I watch it a lot. I also I also uh, frequently watch uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents. But um, there's a little bit after the end. It's just like a little snippet. And if you don't mind, I, I would like to read that uh, to you guys. So let's see. Let's see what it says. <sighs> Lysander Spooner said it was said it best when he said, quote, a man thus subjected to a government that he does not want is a slave, close quote. Those words are as true today as they were when they were first spoken. So let this be a reminder that no matter where you live in this world, the man with the wagon will find you. He always does. And every time you see him, you'll never... Oh, you'll, you'll notice the book. You'll notice the book he hauls around has grown larger and larger because as the Roman historian... Tactus, oh, Tacitus, I'm butchering that, once wrote, the more corrupt the state, the more numerous the laws. Never forget, though, the man with the wagon only exists because we allow him to. All, quote, we the people, close quote, all that we have to do is stand up and say, no more. But we don't, because just like the fish that lives its whole life without realizing it's wet, we live our whole lives without re realizing we're slaves. Far as the fish goes accustomed to the water, the man has grown accustomed to the weight of his chains. Oh, wow. You know what? Okay, hold on. I'm going to be, this is, this is, uh, this is very truthful right now. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be very truthful, very truthful indeed. Um, that story was good. If that ending wasn't there, okay, it's a good story. But that little snippet, in my opinion, just tied in the whole story, and I loved it. Frankly, I thought it was enjoyable. That was actually quite nice. It really was. I could, um, I could, I could genuinely see myself reading more of Mr. Pattison's stories in my own private time. That, that John F. Kennedy story, really, I mean, just really, 
Sounds intriguing. Mr. Patterson, that was enjoyable. And thank you so much for for that story. Everybody, um, please, if you want to read more, if that if that intrigued you, his 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 wordplay, his construction of the sentence was fine. It was me. I I you know, there's like so when I record the podcast, it's in a completely dark room that's only lit by my laptop and a black light. That's it. That's all that it that's all, that's all the light I have. And uh so I was struggling a little bit just somewhat in the dark. Um so it's not it's not him. It it was me. I feel like he constructed the the sentences nice. Just just nice. Not over the top where people, you know, try to do or, you know, I aghast at the idea that the sweat that my I don't know perspiration you know or you know they talk about things over top over grandiose you know you don't need to a story a good story will always be a good story you don't have to do anything here there anywhere no it's fine it's fine the way it is that and he did it just right I feel like he hit the nail on the head with that one he went right down the middle he played it safe which is not a bad thing people think it's bad people think they want to be the new Stephen King no Play it safe. Go right down the middle. You know? Play it right. The story will tell itself. You know? And it did. I feel like it did. I feel like it did really well. So well to the fact that I... I you know? That was, a, that, that was a great read. It really was. I, um... Unfortunately, I would love to keep going. But I... I, uh, I have a few things to do. I am a little swamped. Life has been a little weird for me. Uh, especially, you know, struggling with a vehicle right now. Um, but with that being said, I suppose the conversation is coming to a close. My closing remarks are going to be, Mr. Patterson, thank you so much for everything that, you know, thank you for uh, allowing your story to be read on the podcast. It's honestly, it's amazing. Uh, and I, And I can't thank you enough. I'm really grateful. Uh, we have a few new people, uh, a huge spike in listeners. So let's just give everyone a big warm welcome, uh, an appreciative welcome. Thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for tuning in as much as you have. And I want to thank you. I hope that you can continue on this journey, on this conversation, <laughs> and, uh, Thank you so much for everything. So if anybody, if anybody has any cool stories, any creepy stories, real stories, true stories, send them to me. Send, send them to me at my email. Uh, write them to me at stories at midnight at yahoo.com. Yes, I still use Yahoo. I'm very loyal to Yahoo. They haven't done anything to anybody. I don't know. I've been using it for a very long time and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So... Stories at midnight at yahoo.com. If if you could, that'd be amazing. Send send me real real stories. Or if you want to send some fan mail, send some fan mail. Sorry about that. Send send me some fan mail, you know, send me something. It's totally fine. It's totally understandable. Please don't be shy. If you feel like you're shy and you feel like, oh my goodness, I can't, I don't want to write it. Well, you don't have to, but 
Honestly, you have you have no reason to be shy. I don't, I don't bite. So thank you so much for everything. Thank you for absolutely another great episode. Big round of applause to Mr. Patterson. Thank you so much, Mr. Patterson. And um, yes, so this has been Conversations at Midnight. Coming to you from the great American Southwest, from the great state of Utah. And to end this show, I'm going to leave with everybody a song of the week. And you know what? Ooh. Ooh, you know what? I feel like this song will be appropriate. Let's do When the Man Comes Around by Johnny Cash. That's an appropriate song. When the Man Comes Around by Johnny Cash. Thank you so much, everybody. Hope you have a great one. Until next time.